Amen. Wow, wonderful. It's so great to be with you this morning. Today is Pentecost Sunday, which marks the 50th day since Easter Sunday. And on Pentecost, the promise of the Spirit was fulfilled as the disciples waited in the upper room and the Spirit of God was poured out on them and the church was born. And this morning, I am just so excited to be speaking about the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, he had said to his disciples to wait for his power. They already had his friendship. They already had his teaching. But they weren't mature. They weren't ready until they had received his presence and his power. And this is what we're looking at today as part of our Growing Up series. What does it mean to be a mature and grown disciple of Jesus? Well, maturity means embodying Jesus' presence and Jesus' power. Um, a few years ago now, Chuck and I took our kids on holiday to France where we rented a mobile home. And uh, we had just come back one afternoon from a big food shop. We were all a bit tired and a bit hungry, and we wanted to sit down and eat. And uh, Chuck fancied a cold drink, and we didn't have anything cold in the fridge. We just bought some Coke, and so he had a thought. And what he did was he put the Coke bottle in the freezer and uh, ready, hopefully, with lunch for us all to be able to drink um, in, I don't know, a few minutes or so, I think he was planning. But there was two flaws to his plan. One, he didn't tell me he was doing it. And secondly, he forgot about it. Fast forward to about 2 a.m. in the early hours of the morning, we were awoken to what I can only describe as a massive explosion going off in our caravan. And we both kind of just jumped out of bed, Chuck flung open the bedroom door to discover the absolute devastation around us. The whole kitchen and living area was covered in shards of glass and plastic and frozen coke on the ceiling, dripping down the walls, absolutely everywhere. And as he turned, he saw the big fridge-freezer door wide open, and in the drawer, the freezer drawer, was a lovely-shaped Diet Coke-sized hole where, like a rocket, it had zoomed out of that freezer drawer with so much force that it propelled that fridge-freezer door wide open and then exploded everywhere, absolutely everywhere. We completely underestimated the power that Coke bottle contained. And we will do the same unless we encounter the Holy Spirit for ourselves. It's not enough to hear the stories about the Spirit. It's not enough to read about the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to watch other people's encounter of the Holy Spirit. We have to encounter the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. And that is why I've called this talk a personal Pentecost. Because 2,000 years later, we as God's people, we need our own personal Pentecost. Our own encounter with the Spirit of God. 
So why don't we turn to Acts chapter 2, where we are today, and um, we're going to read from the beginning. In fact, we're just going to read from verses 1 to 8 to begin with. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Reading this passage you may well be forgiven in thinking that this group of people must have been pretty special. You know, they must have lived incredibly fruitful and um, consecrated lives as they followed Jesus, as they partnered with Jesus, as they did life with Jesus for three years. But in so many ways, I think we couldn't be further from the truth because these are broken people. They're broken people. They have severely let Jesus down. And the gift of the Spirit, the violent wind and the tongues of fire is not a badge of commendation. Instead, it's an outpouring of grace, of grace. Think about it for a moment. All of Jesus' disciples, they'd let him down. You know, Peter had denied ever knowing Jesus. On three different occasions, he denied, not that he even he was a follower of Jesus, but that he didn't even know Jesus. And for the rest of the disciples, well, what did they do? They scarpered. They ran away. They left. They had all let Jesus down. But the Holy Spirit came towards them. Maybe you're in a place today where you feel, I've let Jesus down. The Holy Spirit came towards them. If we are to receive a fresh and personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand point number one, it's not about you. It's not about you. You see, the kingdom of God works in the opposite way to the rest of the world. It's the upside down way. If you like, it's a bit like a snow globe. That beauty and um, fullness is only actually seen when it's turned on its head and shaken. You see, the world says, blessed are the go-getters. The kingdom says, blessed are the peacemakers. The world says blessed are the powerful. The kingdom says blessed are the meek. The world says blessed are those who um, are desperate for success. The kingdom says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We live in a world that is wrapped around I. Me, myself, and I. And so often it's really difficult for us to get our heads around taking I out of the equation, taking myself out the center of everything and understanding it's not about me. 
Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not dependent on us. It's not about you. It's not about how good you've been or how holy you've been or how much you've fasted or prayed or read your Bible or how much you're pursuing Jesus. It's not based on a point and reward scheme, people. If you don't feel good enough, that's absolutely okay because neither did the disciples. It's also not about how much you know. If you go back a chapter in Acts chapter 1, it's really clear that the disciples didn't really have a clue what was going on. They still didn't get it. Verse 4 says this, On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, this is the disciples, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus was then taken up into the sky and a cloud hid him. And there the disciples just kind of were looking up into the sky, gawping, just like uh, having this moment until some angels appeared to them and said, why are you looking in the sky? Like, Come on, stop gawping. And Luke, who is writing this book, his point is just really, he's trying to let us know the disciples don't have a clue. They've been with Jesus all this time, and yet they still don't get it. It's also, it's not about how courageous you are either. The disciples, they deserted Jesus. And they fled as soon as he was arrested. Peter denied knowing Jesus, like I said, three times because he was in fear of what would happen to himself if anyone knew, discovered that he knew Jesus. I would suggest that courage was not something the disciples possessed an awful lot of. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is not held back or poured out depending on who you are what you know, and what you do. It's dependent on Jesus, who he is, and what he has done. So it's not about you, but it is for you. That's my second point. Let's carry on reading. We're going to be in verse 14 now. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice what Peter says here in verses 17 and 18. He says, all people, sons and daughters, young men, old men, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. 
Church, this is for everyone. Absolutely no one is left out. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not for the spiritually elite. The point of Joel's prophecy that is being declared and proclaimed by Peter is that the Spirit will be poured out on all people, everyone. That includes you and that includes me. So to recap, the Holy Spirit is not about you, but it is for you. And my third point, and you need it. The Holy Spirit is the resurrection power of God. It's a power that no man can duplicate. Even the most brilliant of scientists, they can't duplicate this power. The ability to bring life out of death, to transform hearts, to bring hope out of hopelessness, to see minds and bodies healed. All of that can only come through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's power that is sent to us. And if you know and you love Jesus, you have that power living in you today. You have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that comforts and teaches and reveals truth to us and guides and convicts us and empowers us and brings life to us and sends us and bears fruit within us. He's like a burning bushfire that burns away all the thick undergrowth so that something new and beautiful can rise up from the ashes. And that's what we see here in this passage. The Holy Spirit coming and saturating and soaking and filling the disciples so that they are full with the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. They are immersed in his presence. Church, we absolutely need to be a people who continually ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit because we leak. We leak. We continually need the Holy Spirit to fill us. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be people, do we, that just stand and admire a beautiful lake from a distance? No, we want to be people that are in the lake, fully immersed in it, enjoying every aspect of it, up to our necks in that lake. So let's just look at some of the, just a few of the many, many ways of why we need the Holy Spirit. Number one, the disciples received gifts they didn't have. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I heard a lovely story a couple of weeks ago from someone in our Ellen site who um, really wanted the gift of tongues. They wanted a prayer language. And they'd been a Christian for quite a long time. They'd been on the receiving end of other people when they had prayed for them, had prayed in this prayer language. And they had experienced the power um, and the effect that that had had in their life. And they really desired this gift. And so a few weeks ago, they just took themselves off into their bedroom they put on some worship music. They sat down, they opened up their hands, and they invited the Holy Spirit to come. And they asked the Holy Spirit for the gift of tongues. And then they told me, and then I just waited. And then I waited some more. And then I waited some more. And then I thought, maybe I should move my mouth. So she started to move her mouth, and this word came out that she didn't recognize. 
And then another word came out, and then another word came out. And then she started laughing and crying because suddenly she realized she had started to receive the gift of tongues. She had started to speak in a different language. You see, when we keep opening ourselves up to more of the Spirit, when we ask Him, to give us new spiritual gifts. He comes and he meets us and he gives us the gifts we need. For this person receiving the gifts of, gift of tongues, this prayer language, they told me it's transformed their prayer life. When words fail them, they've got this language now that, that they use. And it bring, it, they said it feels like I'm connected more with Jesus when I use it. How beautiful is that? The Holy Spirit gives us gifts we don't have. Number two, they had courage they didn't have. The disciples, look, verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. How did Peter, Peter, go from being cowardly to courageous? How did he go from being frightened to fearless? How did he go from denying Jesus to defending Jesus and proclaiming him as the long-awaited Messiah? It was the power and the purpose of Pentecost that made the difference in his life. Peter didn't simply change his mind about Jesus. Peter himself was changed. He was changed. The Peter who feared for his own life just minutes after Jesus' arrest became the Peter that possessed great courage and bold speech, boldly declaring about Jesus to the same crowd of people that previously he was so fearful of. The Holy Spirit poured his courage into Peter and he can pour his courage into you and he can pour his courage into me as well. Thirdly, the disciples, they had a power that other people recognized. Verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Power is what marks us as Christians. We are not impotent. We carry the Holy Spirit within us a very great power. The power of the Holy Spirit, when we step out in that power, not only do other people see it, but they experience it. I was speaking to someone from our central site, and they were telling me that a few weeks ago that um, they prayed for a colleague of theirs who had a really bad damaged knee. And they... Um, they just said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And they said, yes, please do. And so they prayed and they said there was a real tangible sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But their need just seemed to be the same. Nothing really happened. Fast forward to where they're about to receive their knee operation. And the surgeon told them that their, now I'm going to get this word wrong, cru cruciate, cruciate ligament? That'll do. There you go. I'm not a medic, as you can tell. But their cruciate ligament had miraculously been healed. I mean, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Someone else in our north site 
um, she had um, she met somebody. I think I think it was in the school playground, and they started opening up and just saying that they were experiencing terrible night terrors. So they said, "Can I pray for you? Can I just pray for peace to come, for those terrors to go, for you to be able to sleep well and soundly?" And the person says, "Yes, please." Well. What happened? They came running up to this particular individual a little while later to say, since you prayed, I've not had any more night terrors. I've been able to sleep really well, and I know it's because of what you prayed. Another person who, um, again, it was a colleague at work, had said that they were, basically, they were going through a terrible, terrible time in their lives. And because of the stress, they'd taken up smoking. And they really didn't want to be able to smoke anymore. They hated it, but they had become addicted. And they wanted to stop, but they just couldn't. So this person in our church family said, can I just pray for you about that? Can I just pray that that addiction will go in the name of Jesus? Well, a couple of weeks later, that colleague came up to um, the person who's in our church family and said, since you've prayed... I've not touched a cigarette. I've had no desire or no need for it. Church, we are everyday people going about our ordinary, everyday business, carrying the power of the living God within us. And when we step out and we move in that power, The power that we have received, other people, they not only see it, but they experience the kingdom of God breaking in. So the Holy Spirit is not about you, but it is for you and you need it. So you can receive new gifts, great courage and power because my last point It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Friends, let's not underestimate the work that the Holy Spirit has for us. You know, Jesus has given us all we need through his spirit to see demons flee, to see healing to evade, to see the gospel to spread, to see hope to arise, to see the impossible made possible. Let's never forget what we have received. Let's never forget what we carry. Because you know what? It's not only for in here, not only for within the church, but it's for out there. Out there. Because there's a dying and a broken world that is in desperate need of the Spirit of God. They're in desperate need of Jesus. And the people who carry that presence and that power is us. Little old, ordinary old us. So we don't need to be reluctant. We don't need to be worried or scared about asking for more of the Holy Spirit, because he's waiting. He is waiting for that moment when we say, come Holy Spirit. He is brooding over us. So I want you to stand wherever you are. If you can, just stand now. And if you like, why don't you put your hands out in a posture of receiving and maybe close your eyes. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe say it out loud or in your own heart and say, come, 
Holy Spirit. And I often like to think of myself as a house. And when I say, come Holy Spirit, I'm flinging wide every door. I'm flinging wide every window. I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, nothing is off limits. Come and fill me. Come, Spirit of God. Come and fill us. Just receive him. Just receive him. And we say more. More. More of your spirit. Come with your power. Come with your healing. Come and strengthen our inmost being. Come and pour your perfect power into every weak and vulnerable area of our lives. Come and fill us. Come and uphold us. As we say, here we are. Send me. Use me for your name and your glory.